Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college basketball, the NFL, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 207. Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver for the Vikings, has exactly 69 first down receptions on first down and 69 first down receptions on second down. But that's not all. He also has 69 first down receptions from third down. How do you even find this stat? Like, who came up with this? And how how does he even have this? this? This is just amazing. The only thing that can make it better, of course, is if he also had 69 fourth down conversions, of which he has six. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's right. Which is not 69, so it's not as cool. But it's still impressive. First, second, and third, he has 69 first down receptions on each down. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, we can all admit that's pretty cool. What's also really cool is that Brock Purdy has more divisional playoff wins than the Cowboys have had in the past 28 years. Um, which, if there's no further comments, that gives us a nice Iowa State segue into basketball. I mean, we'll talk about the Cowboys' woes later. So, And I, I wasn't listening, so I was reading about the Twins' newest <laughs> trade for Michael A. Taylor. So, yay, good fun facts. Are we talking about basketball now? We're on yep. basketball. I'll, I'll pay attention to that. The big win, the, the big story, of course, um, at least for Cyclone basketball, is the Cyclones' home win over Texas Tech. 78 to 67 on was that on tuesday it was earlier this week she said texas tech oh, against texas regular texas, texas. The horns down texas. horns down texas yeah was it tuesday yeah tuesday. tuesday night yeah i mean that was an incredible game just go guys go talk about it what do you got fantastic atmosphere uh everything it was built up to be student section was killing it all night was happy to hear them Tyrese Hunter in his return to Hilton had 10 points on three of 11 shooting, two rebounds, three assists, two turnovers. Uh, Not a great night from him. Um, I was happy to see that. We had a bunch of good performances, good team effort, good offense, good defense. We had four guys in double digits. We had three guys over 15. Jaron Holmes had a great night shooting 21 points on seven of 13 shootings, shooting, uh, we won the battle on the boards, and we won the turnover battle. If you ask me, if Iowa State gets more rebounds and gets a better turnover margin, they're going to win 9 out of 10 games. And they out-rebounded them on the offensive and defensive boards for a total of 32 over 25. And we turned Texas over 13 times while only turning it over 7 times ourselves. That's a winning record, a winning recipe, and it was just a fun game throughout. I had a good time. Yeah, I think the one of the underrated things that like we haven't mentioned so far is this team got down early, right? They kind of got punched in the jaw. It was a it was a little bit of a jab. Uh ultimately, you know, 27 to 18 lead you know, at home uh Texas had over Iowa State like in Ames and this team really rebounded and took it what it was we were down one at halftime yeah or up I believe. down one at halftime come on get it's like tied at halftime get to the uh, it's not going on to the line 
yeah, d- up one at halftime. 36-35 would help if I just looked at the the breakdown per half. But when you look at the the full box score, who is Texas's go-to player, right? Marcus Next Carr. Yeah. We we kind of Taman Lipsy was hounding him all game long. Uh, Carr was in foul, in and out of foul trouble in the second half, especially. He had four personal fouls, but Carr only had 11 points. Uh, he was four of nine from the field. He wasn't able to get off a lot of clean looks either. Uh, he had guys on him all night and really just hounding him. The, the Longhorns, Texas is a team that doesn't turn the ball over a lot, and they also were able to force a lot of turnovers uh, in this game for Texas's standards, especially Marcus Carr having four himself. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Four assists and four turnovers for Marcus Carr. That is not the assist-to-turnover ratio you want from your All-American point guard if you're Texas. What Iowa State did to Marcus Carr, to me, turning him over and keeping him from the dimes is more impressive than what they did against him scoring, 100% in my opinion. Yeah, I'll give him credit. I think Texas averages 11.9 turnovers per game, so it's not like 13 is so much worse than they normally do. But just how you did it and how you shut down their offense for sure made a big difference. And that's not even the first time Iowa State has turned off, you know, a team's leading score or go-to guy against Baylor. All we heard against about that whole game was their, you know, star freshman is so good, so good. He had like three points for 90% of the game. So that's something we've seen before. And uh, hopefully we'll see it again this week. I wish I had a breakdown of per half, like what the turnovers were. Uh, I believe Texas only had three or four turnovers in the first half. So Iowa State really ramped up that intensity in defense in the second half. Um, Texas really shot horribly from uh, the three-point line, only 23.5%, while Iowa State was had a 37.5 percentage uh, from three in that game. Uh Iowa State shot a lot of free throws. There were just a lot of fouls in this game in general. It was a physical, tough matchup. Um, it, overall, with Texas having 28 fouls, Iowa State having 21 in the entire game. Iowa State got to the line 30 times uh, in this game. It was a slugfest. Yeah, but it was slow sometimes watching that game. It felt like play stopped every four seconds. In in the end, this was, or Jaron Holmes said after the game this felt like this is what he felt like was an nba playoff atmosphere hilton was electric all night um it it was really great we iowa state had a recruit uh on site for an official visit uh for this game i don't know if that influenced his decision or not but he did end up committing to iowa state a few days later four star uh pierce out of new york Um, We'll talk about all the recruiting stuff at a later date when we're not focused on the heat of conference play right now. But ultimately, this was the type of of battle and type of game that you love to see Iowa State play, especially as a rebound game from the the loss to KU, a tough loss in in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, and one thing I noted, I would note on here, something that I have bemoaned about this team for basically the entire time TJ has been here is that we just get destroyed on the offensive boards, both this game and the Oklahoma state game. Easy win for us. Offensive boards. We have gathered a ton more than our, uh, our opponent. I'm not exactly sure what has changed there. I haven't noticed anything super different in the scheme, 
it's probably something I'll watch next game to see if I can see what's different, but very excited for that. I love offensive rebounding. Uh, so yeah, super excited it, for that. It wasn't it wasn't just the Texas and the Oklahoma State game too. It was the KU yeah. game as well. It's been recent. So uh, Iowa State has really ramped it up, ramped up that intensity. Everyone is contributing on those offensive rebounds. Trey King in particular has been a man on a mission on the offensive boards. Uh, when we get to the Oklahoma State game, I it just came to my mind he is. He had a great, he skied for an offensive rebound and had a huge hammer dunk after that. That was a, a drought where Iowa State hadn't scored for like four minutes from the field. Uh, kind of put a little bit of spark into that team. Um, so it, they, he's been good off the bench in like those scenarios, but, you know, he hasn't been, hasn't showed up as much in other scenarios. The one thing that I will say recently, especially in the, in the Texas game, as well as the Oklahoma state game, Oshun has really started to, you know, come on a little bit, right? We, we talked about last episode, right? We had some theories, had can someone can call it conspiracies. If you want to, we're going to say theories that he's not getting as much playing time because of his injury and just trying to, to limit his minutes and save him for a little bit of a, you know, a little later in the season, right? But he has really kind of turned up the intensity a little bit recently. Uh, in the Texas game, I mean, you're looking at a stat line of 11 points, one block, seven rebounds, three offensive rebounds, which were huge. Uh, he hasn't been shooting it as well from the foul line recently as he was, uh, unfortunately. But that's... That's the Texas game. He had so many dunks in the Oklahoma State game. Pretty much all of his shots were uh, inside inside the paint in this game, which are very high percentage points. Uh, he was 7 of 15 from the field in 23 minutes, 15 points, 3 blocks, 7 rebounds, 4 offensive rebounds in the game against Oklahoma State. His play is ramping up. And that is going to be crucial as this team goes deeper into the season. You'd like to see that 23 minutes up just a bump more, uh, maybe playing 26, 27 minutes a game. Um, But I think we're starting to see that he's starting to get to the level of play that we had kind of hoped he would coming onto this team uh, this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to go back to the point you mentioned about, rebounding and offensive rebounding specifically um Arian. so if you look in non-conference i'm just i'm splitting it from non-conference to conference these stats are according to the bart tovek right in non-conference um iowa state was um 258th in um giving up offensive rebounds right 258th in the nation in conference play Number one in the nation. Wow. That has been the turnaround. That's insane. Yes. That is, I didn't realize it was that oh, different. Yeah. Huge that, difference. That has been the turnaround, right? And that's been, oh, no, maybe, sorry, that's number one in the conference. I got ahead of myself. Oh, I was about to say, that is wild. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was misinterpreting the data. It was like, it said one out of 363. And then I clicked on it and it just showed the conference. And I was like, oh, okay. At least you fact-checked yourself. I did fact-check myself, yes. But, yeah, we are 
the number one in the conference um, in um, offensive rebounding sense. Um, or yeah, and that's Since that's when the difference started. Yeah, I mean, huge turnaround. Kind of crazy that you can just kind of flip it on a switch like that. I'm not exactly sure how that's happened, but I like it a lot. Probably yeah. my favorite rebounder on our team is Caleb Grill. <laughs> he just comes from the three point line and just gets rebounds all the time. He's so good at it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, on a slightly less exciting well, note. I, I, just, I just want to make one more point on the Texas game quick. I don't know if we talked about it, but the, the student section was definitely on Tyrese Hunter's case all night. Yes. Um, it was his return to Ames, first return to Ames since he transferred. Um, and the student section let him hear it, um, as, as they should and as they should be expected to, to um, be. And he was hot early. I think he had eight points in the first six minutes or something like that. Yeah, some threes too. Then he ended with 10 points on 3-11 shooting, two rebounds, three assists, two turnovers. So the student section gave it to him, and he um, didn't have a great game when it was all said and done. So shout out to the student section for that. Shout out to Caleb Grill, an elite trash talker, after draining a three and then signaling timeout to <laughs> Texas's bench as while running down the court. I Phenomenal picture to like image. You you got to be careful on that. You 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 got to be careful. You don't get teed up for that. That can easily be taunting towards the opponent's bench. You got to be careful. On that. That'd be soft. That is soft. That's like that's like calling a flag on Xavier Hutchinson for turning around and looking at the defender while he's strutting into the end zone. No, those are two completely different things. Let the kids have fun. I agree. Yes. I agree that it should be fine, but I'm, that's different than saying it is. Yeah, that's fair, Mike. I think you said something like camp stadium security said if they said the name Tyrese, they would get kicked out or something pregame. To which the student section, uh went ahead and did that anyway so props to them man i love it hilton is one of the best places in the country to watch a basketball game what is game. security gonna do kick out the entire, the entire student, student section? section yeah i feel so lucky to have gone to school at iowa state and be in the pep band and get to see those games and now i live in lawrence and i go and see games at fog like those are the two basketball places i go and see games and they're both fantastic i yeah. love it can't get better for college basketball yeah i agree but moving on to a slightly less exciting game in Gallagher Eba Arena, which I think was about 43% sold out for this game, uh, Iowa State suffered a tough second half, last second loss to OSU, uh, 59-61. They were up 16 at one point in the first half. The offense just could not keep it going. They were under 40% from the field, 22% from three. Caleb Grill was injured in this game. Holmes and Kalsher were both very, very cold in this game. Three for 13 and five for 13. Um, Kalsher played 40 minutes. Uh, Oklahoma State just played really good defense. I did not get to watch this whole game. Kyle, I know you saw it a little bit more. Do you have any insight for that? I mean, not great for us. Uh, Oklahoma State in the first half uh, was not playing good um, pick and roll defense, uh, as I alluded to. Uh, in the first half, Iowa State was 11 of 17 um, from really inside the paint uh, and had only, I believe, six shots outside of the paint was the graphic that they showed. So Iowa State was pounding it low uh, in this game. A lot of those were easy dunks to Oshun. 
Uh, Jaron Holmes had some easy shots inside. Uh, and in the second half, Oklahoma State really came out with a better defensive game plan. They were switching a lot more and also just playing really good hedge defense. Uh, if you don't, if you know, our listeners aren't familiar with that, it's when the uh, screening defender uh, just comes out, hedges the ball screen, kind of keeps them at bay a little bit. And then th- instead of switching that, they were retreating really quickly. Uh, Iowa State wasn't able to get the ball in down low. And then, like we said, with Grill injured, Holmes and Kalsher cold, there was really no outside threat in this game. Uh, Lipsy, for what it's worth, uh, is not a three-point shooter. I think in order for this Cyclones team to kind of evolve a little bit further, uh, I have a philosophy or a theory that Lipsy might need to be able to shoot the ball from the outside a little bit more regularly uh, in order to really open up this offense. But that was really what happened. Oklahoma State just just played really good D. Iowa State went cold, and then we turned the ball over too much at the end of the game when it really mattered. Um, and we our our rotational defense started to hurt us because Oklahoma State on offense came alive from three, but they were also skip passing a lot across the floor, which really is the weak point of this Iowa State defense with how aggressive we are. Uh, in rotational help defense. I'm sometimes shocked by how little teams are executing that skip pass against us. You know what it is. We're aggressively a help defense. We crowd everybody onto one side of the court to make you make mistakes. If I saw Iowa State on the schedule, I'm practicing that for the entire week. Just skip pass every single day. Right, but the skip pass is a highly... um, or is, is a very low success pass in basketball. Um, you have oftentimes so many defenders that you have that that ball has to either travel over or travel between, uh, Iowa state is very good at getting their hands up and out for a lot of deflections. Also in those skip passes, you're throwing it all the way across the court. So sometimes you're like, well, I got to get it there either too fast or you're throwing it too high to avoid those outstretched arms. So that leads to a lot of turnovers. A lot of the times you're going to take the good or you're going to take, yeah, you're going to take the bad, which is them making a occasional three or having a really hot night for all the good that it causes. Historically, we've been in the past two seasons, we've been on the good end of things with a lot of turnovers. Um, Oklahoma State was just executing those skip passes really well in this game. Uh, Teams in the past that have done that really well on us are KU um, and then really good passing guards. And Oklahoma State was executing those really well to the point where Texas earlier in the week was not able to execute those at all. Just to go off what you're saying, right? And Iowa State, despite that aggressive style, is still 43rd in the nation in three-point defense, according to the Bartolvik again, um, right? So teams aren't burning us on it. I don't know, Right. Some of it is teams missing shots, and other that is we're still just contesting well. But somehow, even with that rotation defense, we force teams to shoot poorly from three. Sometimes it feels like we're getting burned with it, but overall, definitely good. And like you said, contesting, credit to our guys. They always close out and contest on a three, even if they're late. Even if the ball's out of the hands, they always close out all the way to the shooter. So definitely credit to TJ and the coaching staff there. Just good effort on defense, like the vast majority of the time. Yeah, I and, and 
I won't drone on too long for this game. I, it's 61-59 is the overall score. Like We held Oklahoma State under their season average, I believe, in this game. Uh, that's what Iowa State does. The unfortunate thing is Oklahoma State had a uh, semi-hot shooting night. I, a 42.9% from three is what they ended up as. Uh, when you've got guard shooting two of four, two of four, two of three, two of four, you, you know, that's a good shooting night. Like you got beat by a team that got hot and was on a mission to win another, win another conference game. So they had a good shooting night. It, it's what it is. You're going to run up against that in big 12 play, right? This isn't a bad loss. Like there aren't, many bad loss opportunities on the schedule for Iowa state. Uh, what, correct me if I'm wrong. Someone said this would have been a quad one win. Had we won on the road. Yes, it yeah. would have been, so Oklahoma state is surprisingly high in the net rankings, right? So the quad one quad two, et cetera, is based on the net rankings. Right. And if we look for Oklahoma state, they are 42nd in the net rankings. Um, after that win, so anything on the road, anything above 60, I believe, is a quad one win, right? Because they factor in location because it's a lot easier to win at home than on the road. So if we lost this game at home, it would be a um, – it would be definitely – it would be a quad two um, game. But on the road, that's a quad one game. There's no shame in losing a quad one game. Yeah. Yep. It, you got to keep sight of that and, you know – even the AP poll thought highly of us as we as we come in again this week at uh, number twelve in the AP poll, same place that we were. Uh, didn't really didn't really move the needle too much. Uh, definitely definitely helps that fifteen teams in the top twenty five lost this week, so yep. beneficial yep. to us. And yeah, Oklahoma State shoots at thirty two point six percent on the season, so they ten percent higher from three. So definitely a good shooting game for them. Also, shout out to Ariane for guessing that a 43% full arena. According to ESPN, uh, the arena was 49% full. So, All right, let's good go. estimate there. Yeah. Uh, at, it, we'll we'll kind of wrap this up now as, as we look ahead to this week, and then we'll get on to the women's team this week. Uh, upcoming this week on Tuesday at 8 o'clock, uh, Iowa State plays at home to a now number five ranked uh, can K State team that had home wins over uh, KU and T and Texas Tech this week. Uh, now that game is going to be at eight o'clock on ESPNU. Uh, shout out to everyone who doesn't have ESPNU packages. So good luck finding that or watching that game somehow. Uh, the Iowa State then Iowa State does travel uh, on Saturday to Missouri. This is a 14 and 5 Missouri team currently as it sits. They were previously ranked this season after a few losses in a row. Uh this team is now, you know, unranked. Uh I don't know where they end up in the net. I don't know if Mike has that pulled up. Is this a quad one opportunity for this game? As Mike's looking, uh this game is on So okay. yeah. As of this yeah. moment, but if we beat them, they may fall below 60 and make it a quad two game. It's one of those paradoxes. So. There it is. ESPN two on Saturday at one o'clock. So we, we do get a national slot there um, on on that television network, too. So there's there's your men's team this week. Very, very nice. And I, they are ESPN is finally um, just as a final note, catching wood. Uh, 
or however you want to phrase it, that this team is good. Um, they're starting to slowly trickle out with the second half um, TV channel announcements. So the Texas Tech game on January 30th is an ESPN2 game as well. And the KU game on February 4th is an ESPN game now. So they're starting to catch on, and maybe we'll see more ESPN, ESPN2 games down the stretch, which would be good. Is, is February 4th a Saturday? Yes. Are we looking at a potential college game day in Ames? Could be. Something to look out for. It's sold out already. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that's likely to be a top 15 matchup, right? Yeah. So, Especially every, especially every if Iowa State was able to beat K-State this week, that team's not sliding unless they lose to Missouri at home. Or Missouri on the road, sorry. Every weekend game for the rest of the year in Hilton is sold out. I'd buy that. Yeah. So I, I won't be seeing one in Hilton this year, unfortunately. <laughs> Maybe next year. So anyway, keep that in mind, and we'll move on to the women's team now. It was a good week for the women's team. Um, they're starting to adjust, I think, to the the um, the lack of uh, Stephanie Soros in the middle. Um, Ashley Jones is starting to just take over games again. Um, their first game was a win, 69-64, against Oklahoma State. Um Ashley Jones, again, 12 rebounds. She's essentially taking on being the, the center herself. I know uh, Morgan Kane um, also um, is officially in that role, but really Ashley Jones is doing it. Double-double, 10 points, um, 12 rebounds in that game. Um, and they, they just they, – they, uh, they fell behind early and then um, recovered and ended up uh, – uh, holding on and getting the win there. And then against KU at home um, this weekend, it was just the Ashley Jones show from start to finish. 26 points, 15 rebounds. Um, just another incredible performance from one of, if not the um, best player in Iowa State women's basketball history. I think she per- surpassed 300 career made three-pointers. Yeah, she had four. She shot five of 11 from three against Kansas. That's a lot of made threes in a career. So sure yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's just incredible. Um, there's, there's not much more to say about her. She's just, she's incredible. And it's amazing to watch her, uh, her, her play. So the, the team stayed at 18 in the AP poll. Again, no movement. There wasn't much movement anywhere across the women's AP poll. Um, so they stayed at 18, which is definitely a fine place to be. Maybe not quite living up to the expectations that we had at the start of the year, but definitely still fine. Definitely not a problem by any means. Um, this upcoming week on Wednesday, 630, Iowa State plays an absolutely terrible TCU team, a six and 12 TCU team. Um, so hopefully even on the road, that is an easy win. Um, then the big challenge um, comes when number 14 Oklahoma comes to town. This is an Oklahoma team that Iowa State lost to 79 to 82 in the game that Soros got hurt in. Um, so we'll see um, how that looks now with them coming into Hilton. That game is on Sunday, 3 p.m. No, sorry, Saturday, 3 p.m. Um, also on ESPN+. Plus. So keep an eye on those, especially that Oklahoma game. Watch the men's game. 
then switch it over to the women's game, just back to back, right? Because the men's game's at 11. Uh, yeah, the men's game's at one, women's game's at three. Just go back to back cycling basketball next weekend. It'll be great. That's right. Spend your whole day that way. Why not? And then you got the playoffs. <laughs> you got NFL playoffs. Yeah, Sunday. Right. Yeah. Speaking of. Speaking of the NFL playoffs, uh, it was a good weekend this weekend in the NFL. A lot of good games, good mat- matchups. Um, and I think it's sh- it's shaping up for a very exciting uh, championship weekend this coming weekend. Uh, first, we'll just go in game order. Uh, starting with the Chiefs and the Jags, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, the prince that was promised, uh, everyone calling him the next like Peyton Manning. Shout out to the media for that. That's just comical. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes on one leg uh, comes back into this game. Uh, Was it third drive of the game? Injures has a really tough looking um, ankle injury deemed as a high ankle sprain. Brought out of the game. Chad Henney comes in. 98 yard touchdown drive, uh, which is really nothing short of impressive that Chad Henney really has just sat on the bench cold all year long, only coming in in meaningless minutes is able to come in and and execute a 98 yard touchdown drive. When a lot of backup quarterbacks in the league aren't able to pull off that same feat. Um, It just goes to show, uh, and Travis Kelsey talked about it after the game. They rate a lot of plays apparently in the chiefs offensive scheme per quarterback so Patrick Mahomes has his list of plays they actually have lists of plays for Chad Henney so they executed a lot of those plays to perfection had a really long touchdown drive Um, Isaiah Pacheco was phenomenal the Chiefs had two seventh round draft picks that showed out in this game Um, one of them on the other end with an incredible one-handed interception of Trevor Lawrence uh, the Chiefs defense stepped up when it mattered when Patrick Mahomes went down. Uh, Mahomes did have to go for an x-ray. Uh, no structural damage was shown on that. He came back in the game, but man, with a noticeable limp. Uh, this is something to definitely keep your eye on going into this week. Um, something that makes me nervous, obviously, as a Chiefs fan, uh, when you talk about the matchup and the opponent that the Chiefs will be facing next week. Uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. But ultimately, the Chiefs gutted it out, so did Mah- with Mahomes, uh, and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. If anybody cares, it's Trevor Lawrence's first recorded loss on a Saturday in his in his life, I guess. So um, unfortunate, but it comes at the hands of, of maybe one of the best generational talents um, to ever see a football field. So best quarterback in the league right now. Sure. I'd say that. Let me, I want to throw in something. If I can't have Mahomes, I'm taking Joe Burrow, but you know, there, yeah. there's that. So I want to say throw it in. Chad Henney, uh, second year in a row, he's just come in in the playoffs and just done what he needs to do. Right. Uh, he's seemingly just good at that. I yeah. said they should, you know, with Patrick Mahomes' injury, they should just just run it every other drive, right? Start with Patrick, throw Chad in there. He'll do some clutch for you and then put Patrick back in. A lot of people don't seem to be worried about his injury because he played the rest of the game. As Kyle said, limping around, he had a handoff to a running back where he went left, right, left, left, basically. Like, he was hopping around. And, like, as someone, you know, shout out to my guy, uh, Wyatt, I sprained my ankle at his wedding going to get um, donuts from <laughs> from the reception. 
it hurt a lot that night. The next day when I woke up, I couldn't even walk on it. Like, I guarantee you he felt a lot worse on Sunday than he did on Saturday. Yeah. I don't take it for granted that he's necessarily going to play this weekend. They're going to have to hold him out. He's going to want to play. But I don't think it's 100% he even plays. And if he does, you're going to see a different Patrick Mahomes than we're used to. It's not going to be all this rolling out, sidearm, out-of-the-pocket stuff. He's going to have to stand there like, you know, Peyton Manning, Uh, pocket passer kind of guy. Jumping the gun a little bit, I was going to get there. But, I mean, good analysis there. You know, Andy Reid did come out and say today that that Patrick Mahomes was surprisingly feeling much better than he did when he had the same type of injury uh, week one of 2019 that he ended up still playing through. Uh, You have to go back and remember that uh, in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he had turf toe, and it required significant surgery uh, after the season in order to do that. So he played through that. He's played through these foot injuries, but man, this is different when you do you have that type of play uh, and that style. I'll talk about it a little bit in in a little bit of a preview of next week, but. Moving on, uh, there isn't much to say about the NFC game between the number one seeded Eagles and the Giants, uh, except for the fact that the Eagles just ran all over them, 260-plus rushing yards against the Giants. This was a Giants team that played phenomenally against the Minnesota Vikings, but the Eagles just absolutely dismantled them. Uh, Jalen Hurts has reportedly only played that game at about 75 to 80% healthy. Uh, He's still dealing with that nagging shoulder injury in his in his throwing shoulder which is something to keep an eye on as they go into next week um but the eagles did cruise to victory man that offensive line is is solid that defensive line they have stars everywhere and it just goes to show that you have a cheap quarterback a second mind you a second round quarterback too very cheap quarterback you have stars all over that roster and and maybe name three can you name three or five Giants players like any of our listeners? Just think about it. Name three or five Giants players that would actually start on that Eagles roster. Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. That's it. Is that it? Maybe Leonard Williams Maybe. on the defensive line. Like Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, Thibodeau. Possibly, but that defensive line of the Eagles is a monster uh, on both the edges and the inside. So you just the Giants are a good story. Brian Dayball, possibly coach of the year, did a phenomenal job coming in and just taking taking Daniel Jones, taking away the bad aspects of Daniel Jones and turning him into, you know, a marketable quarterback for the Giants this season. Great turnaround story, ran up against a juggernaut this season. The Eagles are good. Heck, heck of an NFC championship game coming up next week. Uh, the, as team we get in- the team that might feel the worst after this week is the Vikings. For sure. Right. I mean, we saw what just happened. You're like, what are we? That was not a good Giants team that they lost to. No. Like, what happened? I mean, I had been on the hate wagon all year talking about how they're pretenders, but boy, they definitely look bad in the rear view now. Well, and and that was a a Vikings team. How many points did they lose to to the Eagles early on in the season? 15 or something. Yeah. It was a Vikings team that didn't match up well against the Eagles, but... I I don't know. Yeah, the Vi- the Vikings are probably like, oh man, that that hurts. <laughs> yeah, so it hurts. Uh, I uh, from a team that that is like, man, that hurts. To a team that is like, well, what else do we need to do? Kind of left wondering what's next. 
you got Cincinnati going into Buffalo. That score, what is it? 27 to 10, 27 to 14. Uh, final score. That seems close. That game was never close, really. From the first drive of the game, Cincinnati asserted dominance and maintained dominance over the Buffalo Bills the entire game. In the snow, in Buffalo, they went in and controlled the offensive line, the defensive line. They made uh, Josh Allen make a lot of poor decisions and poor throws. Joe Burrow was calm and cool and collected in a lot of his throws that he was making. Never rushed. This is a patchwork Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, if mind you. Uh, Lyle Collins uh, is out. Um, they had offensive linemen going down in multiple weeks. They had an offensive guard that was injured in this game, gutted it out, and continued playing. Uh, this Cincinnati team, I said it uh, going into the playoffs. I think the most dangerous team to the Chiefs was the Cincinnati Bengals, just because of the way they match up. And I think Joe Burrow is the second best, if not getting close to the same tier of Patrick Mahomes in the AFC. I don't think there's another quarterback that's actually close now. I think Joe Burrow has separated himself from Josh Allen. Uh, and I think what you saw was an out-coaching clinic by uh, Zach Taylor over Sean McDermott. And it kind of begs the question, is this becoming just an offensive-minded coaching league? Like, is this a league where defensive head coaches can not only survive, but thrive and win Super Bowls, right? You saw Dan Quinn uh, in Atlanta get to a Super Bowl, but not able to win. Um, I, I guess Pete Carroll's your next closest example, but even then he hasn't been able to get back to the Super Bowl uh, for quite some time. Um there aren't many defensive coaches that are making waves and, and getting to the Super Bowls currently in this new era of the NFL. And for Buffalo, Josh Allen's getting expensive now. They have a lot of uh, free agent talent that they're going to have to spend some money on if they want to keep, or they're going to have to draft really well. Thankfully, they've done that. But Buffalo needs some help. They need another star receiver, or they need some more receiving help outside of just Stefan Diggs. Uh, and they've got a lot of defensive pieces that they either have to pay or go and find replacements for. So Buffalo's kind of left wondering right now what what's next and how do we even get there if this year, last year, and the year before weren't the years for them to do it. Any, any other thoughts on that game, Ariane? I, I want to give full credit to you. We were talking about this in the middle of the week before this game happened, and you said, I think Burroughs is better than Josh Allen. And I said, eh. I still think Allen is probably a little better, but you can find people that agree with you. After this game, I feel like I'm left thinking, well, I, if he wins, I have to pick Burrow like I agree with you now. You were saying this before this game. You think Burrow is better, and I, I have to agree with you until proven wrong. I don't think he's necessarily in the same tier as Mahomes, but if I was making a list right now, I think Burrow is number two on my list. Like, like I just said, I mean, if it's not Patrick Mahomes as my franchise quarterback, I'm taking Joe Burrow, and there's yeah. no question about it in my mind. Mike, you were going to say something? I mean, Josh Allen's got the turnover issues, right? That's yes. the biggest indictment against him, right? And yeah. So. So when, were his, when were his turnovers the least, though? Last year. Last year, he had the fewest turnovers of his career, but do you, do you know what PC is missing this year? Brian Dayball. Is it Brian Dayball? Because look who Brian Dayball took... For the New York Giants, cut out the turnovers, 
and let him get back or implemented offensive strategies and game plans to let Daniel Jones like thrive in his role as the New York Giants quarterback? Is it Brian Dayball? Because are the Buffalo Bills now like was that Buffalo Bills team great because of Brian Dayball as offensive coordinator? Has the league changed so much that you cannot be a successful quarterback with a lot of turnovers, right? Nobody says Brett Favre is a bad quarterback because he had a lot of turnovers. If Josh Allen is that guy, big risk, big reward, giant body, super physical, dual threat, is that really a bad thing? I mean, if he gets numbers that are good enough, you can you can deal with the turnover. But you gotta have know. a de- but you have to have a defense that's able to take the ball away. That's true. Right. So, and that leads me into the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. So, uh, Cincinnati moves on. So, AFC Championship game rematch of the Chiefs and Cincinnati back in Arrowhead, uh, which is apparently now the AFC Championship individ- or invitational uh, site as it's been for the past five years. Uh, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Uh, getting to the other NFC divisional game between the 49ers and the Cowboys, we talk about a quarterback. That we go from one quarterback that turns the ball over a lot to a quarterback who threw the most interceptions in the league this year. And that was his downfall in this game, too. Right? The Cowboys against the 49ers, you had Brock Purdy play well enough to win that game. Now, Brock Purdy didn't go out and win that game. Like he he played Brock Purdy played really, really well in their first game against Seattle. But uh Geno Smith played better against the 49ers defense than Dak Prescott did. Geno Smith had a higher completion percentage than Dak Prescott. Geno Smith had less turnovers than Dak Prescott. That's always kind of been the nag on Dak Prescott throughout his career as a Cowboys quarterback. He's that gunslinger mentality. He makes a lot of mistakes, turnovers, yada, yada. But what has Dan Quinn implemented uh, with Dallas since he's become the defensive coordinator? a defense that takes the ball away. Dallas is able to win in spite of Dak Prescott's turnovers because the defense is able to take the ball away two, three, four times a game. So what is two turnovers by Dak Prescott if they're still plus two in turnover margin, right? So the the thing that you see here is a the Cowboys ran up against not a 49ers team that is phenomenal, right? Still maybe question marks around the quarterback, you know, a a kid who's never been there before an NFC championship game an NFC divisional game. Right. But the, if you're a Cowboys fan right now, are you, are you looking at this team? Like what are we doing at quarterback? You're paying a guy top five money in the league. Who's not top five quarterback in the league. You're paying Zeke Elliott to be, he's a, you're paying him as a top running back in the league, one of the top running backs in the league, but he's what a situational uh, short yardage running back now because Tony Pollard has emerged as the better running back of that backfield. Um, the Cowboys have a lot of questions and I think they're in the same boat as Buffalo fans right now. Like I, I, if you're the Cowboys, are you raising a banner because you won one game in the playoffs this year? Maybe. Just throw a parade. I you're not getting to the divisional round or the championship game, as we've alluded to with the stat in the intro that Brock Purdy has more divisional playoff wins now than the Cowboys have in twenty eight years. Like I I don't know if that 
nucleus for Dallas is it, especially with how expensive Dak Prescott's becoming. Uh, if I'm Jerry Jones, am I trying to take calls on Dak Prescott and get a more uh, get a different quarterback who fits the system, get cheaper there, spend your big money on other players, and go for a Super Bowl? Maybe that's it, but. I don't know if the Cowboys have have the the uh, correct nucleus in order for them to get past the divisional round of the playoffs currently. If if I'm Jerry Jones, what I spend my money on is a GM, and I got my nose out of everybody's business. Yeah, there the you one go. One thing that is consistent with the Cowboys' failures is that Jerry Jones has his nose in everybody's business constantly, and apparently he's the only one who cannot see this. You can blame it on Zeke. You can blame it on Dak. You can blame it on Tony Romo and George Witten, whatever you want to. But you're you can the blame guy it on who's Mike McCarthy. Here. Right. Even. And like, you're the one who's always here. Hire a GM. You're the owner. Mind your business. You can, you can talk about whatever you want, but pay somebody whose job that is. And I will say, in, in defense of Mr. Dakota Prescott over there, I think this is the only year of his career where he's had over 13 interceptions. Like, this is not a career problem for him. Maybe he hasn't performed the best in big scenarios all the time, but it's not like he's a playoff choker necessarily. Like when you look at Zeke Elliott, who has not, I think he averaged over under 2.6 yards per carry for the last seven games of the season. Like he's not that guy anymore. Unfortunately, Tony Pollard broke his leg. He's going to be a restricted free agent. That's a huge bummer. But like, I don't think it's all on deck. Obviously quarterback gets the most, scrutiny but i don't know I don't, I don't think it's all on deck also mike mccarthy maybe isn't that guy that last play was comical okay at, at best <laughs> well okay yeah sure the last play is comical but at that point the game's over you're trying to come up with a flag football scenario it's just the like, real issue the real issue here is jerry jones meddling in everyone's business constantly. i don't i don't care about the last play of the game I really don't. It was just really funny. It was just really it's, funny. It's hilarious. Maybe don't put Zeke as your center to get absolutely destroyed. Yeah, he got demolished. So I don't know. What was the You've point got, of him snapping the ball instead of a normal center? I think they were trying to get big centers out blocking on they the side. They didn't even and... throw it to anybody who was getting blocked. Correct. <laughs> they yeah. just threw a seven yard slant and the guy got just blown up. <laughs> It's better situational coaching <laughs> in that aspect by uh, D'Amico Ryan, who yeah. should be a, a head coach in the NFL next year. He'll get some interviews for sure. Oh, he's already had four interviews and he turned down two because oh, wow. he said he wanted to focus on the NFC championship game. So kudos to him. Yeah. But if anybody I, doesn't think it's Jerry Jones, it is. It it's Jerry is. Jones. Sorry, Cowboys. Uh, throw your parade this year. You want a playoff game. Um, yeah. Better luck next year. Uh, except, except if Jerry Jones is still meddling in your business, then you're probably going to still have a very disappointing season. Um, yeah. But we're going to talk about the teams now, just a, a short preview and then round Robin. Uh, we're going to pick uh, your, your winners of the championship game this weekend with your you 8311. I wasn't prepped for that. Give me a Okay. Second. We'll figure it out real quick because I'm talking about them. <laughs> so, uh, first game of the day, you're going to have Eagles hosting the 49ers. Um, you've got a rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, coming in with arguably the the best roster in the league. Uh, 
in in the San Francisco 49ers, that team is loaded. Coming in to a team where, you know, Jalen Hurts is 70 to 80% healthy, maybe that gets a little better this week. But that's something to watch is if one of those big defensive linemen from San Francisco lands on Jalen Hurts in that throwing shoulder, you know, your backup's Gardner, Gardner Minshew, right? So that's a that's significant... A it's a good backup, but it is a significant drop-off in, in your level of confidence in that team uh, situationally, situationally and on the offensive side of the football. Now, granted, you have a great defense. It's going to... I think this is going to be an absolute slugfest. No matter who wins this game, they are going to be uh, loving those two weeks off in between the Super Bowl and this game because they're going to need time to rest up and heal up. This will be an absolute slugfest. Uh, so NFC right now, Eagles, 49ers. Mike, who you got? Eagles. I think uh, this is the best defense that, uh, especially defensive line that Brock Purdy will have seen in his young career. And eventually you just expect him to have a bad game like he had against, uh, with, that he had with Iowa State, right? He was known for making bad decisions with Iowa State. Eventually, he's going to start doing that again, right? Like, I hope not, but that's what I'm figuring. So I got the Eagles. Yeah, I have Eagles as well. Just top to bottom, a better team. Brock Purdy obviously has been fantastic since he started, but man, just they're just a really good team. Hot take. I think since he started starting games, Brock Purdy, top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He's just good. Doesn't do anything oh, bad. He wins. That's Top a 10. pretty hot take. Uh, I, I am a hot take guy, but man, I'm not hopping on that bandwagon. You are alone on that. Have you, fun wheeling. You have come up with 10 better. Your, your red flyer down the street by yourself. Why, you come you up with 10 quarterbacks better. Passer rating, yards, no interceptions. Like, Well, not no interceptions. Very few. He just gets it done. He doesn't make any mistakes. Maybe if you look at just stats for the last six games across the league, maybe. All right, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Just since he started. But you okay. all, I also said that about Jimmy Garoppolo, and you gave me so much crap for that. So he's Brock Purdy's been better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, that's true. Yeah, easily. That is true. And better than Trey Lance. Sample size. How long yeah. did Jimmy Garoppolo play this year? I don't care about just this year. <laughs> I'm just saying, if a rookie yeah, he's asking about just this year, a third string rookie is already playing better than Mister. I'm Tom Brady's protege got traded for a bunch of picks. Like I'm just talking about when he played. That's all I care about. I didn't all say right. he was a top ten quarterback. I said since he started, he has played at a top ten level. All right, Mister Hot Take Nick Wright. Uh, <laughs> at him on Twitter at I believe it's at Arion Barry or at Rayon something like that. Go at him. On his hot take, Wyatt, who you got NFC Championship game? While Ariane's take is a very hot take, um, I I still feel like the 49ers got something. Not just Brock Purdy, but the the organization as a whole. I think can pull it off against the Eagles. Yeah, I I am actually with Wyatt here. Uh, we'll we'll split we'll split it. Uh, 49ers here. I think Kyle Shanahan's been here, done that. Um, that offensive mind and that big brain energy is going to carry the 49ers into the Super Bowl. Uh, I've got 49ers advancing to the Super Bowl. So second game of the day, AFC Championship Chiefs, ho Chiefs hosting the AFC Invitational at Arrowhead um, against Cincinnati. As I've alluded to, this is a horrible matchup for the Chiefs. 
Patrick Mahomes is 0-3 against Joe Burrow. You can say Joe Burrow's 3-0 against uh, Kansas City. He has been that guy in those games that have given the Chiefs headaches. Uh, the Bengals' defense, uh, they don't get a whole lot of credit in stardom because that's it. They don't have a whole lot of stars outside of Sam Hubbard and, uh, and the other defensive end on the other side. Um, they have a good unit and they've always had a schematically good game plan. Now, the thing to watch here, obviously, is Patrick Mahomes' health uh, going into this game, uh, as well as the Bengals' offensive line going into this game. This is probably the Bengals' best, or this is the game that the Bengals will face the best interior defensive line uh, that they have in the playoffs uh, so far, and that will be something to 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 take an eye or watch out for, uh, is the pressure on Joe Burrow. Will he be able to release the ball on time, quick, and efficiently, or are the Chiefs going to set themselves up for some turnovers? Uh, and then Patrick Mahomes' mobility, like Ariane was alluding to earlier, he is a guy who is able, if he doesn't get the ball out on time to the right player, he is a pro at backyard football and scramble drills. Uh, he is a magician in, in being able to spin around, get out of the pocket, uh, advance to the line of scrimmage, basically dance down the line of scrimmage and then find someone, or he's able to scoot for five, to, to 10 yards that really is something that's not expected out of his game all the time, like Jalen Hurts as a runner, uh, but it's something that is a huge key to the offense and to this Chiefs team. Uh, and so that is something to keep your eye on this week. Mike, we'll start with you again. AFC Championship game. Who you got advancing the Super Bowl? I'm going to make a very, very unpopular take here and saying I'm going to refuse to pick this game until I know if Pat Mahomes is playing. I'm not picking it. I'm not. But that's my take. You guys can get mad at me, but I ain't picking this until I know if Pat Mahomes is playing. Definitely. Okay. Like so it's, a, it's a pretty safe bet that he's going Wyatt. to. I struggle. Who, who you got? I, I'm I'm going to say the Chiefs. I think Pat Mahomes is going to play. Not 100%, but I think it'll be good enough to, to top the Bengals. Okay. Arion. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it all hinges on Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes can play any semblance of himself, I got the Chiefs. If Patrick Mahomes just looks like he is crippled and the Cincinnati pass rush is anything resembling decent, it, it definitely feels like the Bengals, and the Bengals have the mojo on their side. They've beat the Chiefs three times in a row. Uh, but barring anything and not knowing what's going to happen this weekend, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I just feel like they got it in the bag. Maybe that's homerism, but I'm going to take it. Even I, if Pat Mahomes is like crippled around, uh, as long as he's good enough to be on two feet and walk out there, just alone as a pocket passer, I think he will be just fine. Like, sure, he can make words of magic with his yeah. leg. That's disrespectful okay, so, to the Bengals and their skill players and quarterback, though. These guys are good. You can make an, well, an argument that the skill players are better than the Chiefs' skill players. While Wyatt, while Wyatt has that take uh, on Patrick Mahomes, I will say that, that in the games that I have watched in detail against the Chiefs versus the Bengals, uh, the Bengals do not allow Patrick Mahomes to throw on time. I think this injury is going to be a severe ham hampering for the Chiefs. Uh, and their and their um, ability to make the Super Bowl, I, as a Chiefs fan, am picking Joe Burrow and the Bengals to once again make it to the Super Bowl. I think this team knows no uh, home field advantage. They don't think that's a thing. They have played against it uh, pretty much two playoffs in a row. Joe Burrow has gone in and won. Um, 
this Bengals team is going to make it to the Super Bowl, uh, and they are probably my pick to win the Super Bowl now uh, oh. at this point in Ooh. time. So okay, I think but you and most did, people in Kansas City are very scared of the Bengals. Yes, I said it. I said it. I said They're it this horrified. week, and and we will. I will wrap it up here because I know why it's probably going to get on my case here to 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 cut time down. I've taken a lot. I've extended my time, but this is all good stuff as the NFL is wrapping up. Uh, we only have three games left of the season here. Uh, I said it all along. I was rooting for the Bengals to to win in the AFC Championship because I didn't want the NFL to dry run an AFC game, AFC Championship neutral site, uh, a neutral site AFC Championship game. There, I couldn't get my words out, uh, but. I I wanted the Chiefs to play the Bills because unlike the Bills when they won their regular season Super Bowl at Arrowhead Stadium claps to you good job um that team is not scary to me unlike the the Cincinnati Bengals uh team is so I wanted to face the Bills but I didn't want a neutral site AFC Championship game because that's absolute garbage and the NFL can Agreed. you know absolutely yep. just That'd be one of the worst decisions that they could ever make. Um, so there's that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm terrified of playing Cincinnati this weekend. It's gonna be fun. Both these games are being really fun. I think it will be a great harder. great Sunday for football. Uh, both of those games are on Sunday this week. No more Saturday games. Um, I don't remember the start times go and look them up they're absolutely plastered everywhere so also if we get 49ers it. versus cincinnati i demand that super bowl coverage be done from ames iowa between purdy and burrow it's all ames let's go <laughs> that would that, be fun that would be fun that would be fun all right well y'all have heard my voice long enough Ariane. it looks like we have we have ourselves a trade in the yeah. nba it's coming up. We're we're getting closer to the trade deadline. Uh, we had our first kind of noteworthy trade of the season, just a little one. Uh, the Lakers traded for Rui Hachimura, a uh, former number nine pick, uh, went to Gonzaga. They got him for three second round picks, and Kendrick Nunn sent them to the Wizards. Um, interesting note here: it appears that the Lakers seem to be rebuilding the Wizards team from three years ago. They now have. Russell Westbrook, Rui Hachimura, and Thomas Bryant all were playing for those Wizards teams. I'm sure they would love to have Bradley Beal as well, but that's not going to happen. But just a little note there. We'll probably see some more action in the coming weeks. Um, That's all I have for right now. Uh, And we'll move it all right along to Mike's Stupid Rules. Yes, this Mike's Stupid Rules is a special request from a combination of you, Ariane. Believe it or not, this is because of you getting this. You don't even know what it is. I do not. And my dad. So I noticed you were complaining today on Twitter, Ariane, that you didn't even realize the NHL was happening. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It it, it is happening. We are over halfway through the NHL season. Um, It is very much happening. So I figured between that and my dad asking about this rule recently, um, I'm going to talk about this NHL rule for Mike Stupid Rules this week. So this, we're going to go to the NHL rulebook, section 10, rule 76, and it's 76.3. It's about face-off procedures. 
So after you've made your substitution or line changes, as they're called in the NHL, before face-off, the linesman who does the face-off will then blow his whistle. This will signal to both teams that they have no more than five seconds to line up for the ensuing face-off. At the end of those five seconds, or sooner, if both teams are ready, the linesman will conduct a proper face-off. If, however, one or both centers are not on the face-off dot, one or both centers don't have their sticks on the ice, any player has encroached into the face-off circle, any player has made physical contact with an opponent, or any player is lined up offsides, the lineman shall have the offending center replaced immediately prior to dropping the puck. So what I just described for all of you non-hockey fans who didn't follow, right? On a face-off, the linesman can sometimes remove a center from the face-off dot and make them be replaced with another player. Those are essentially the conditions for when the lineman um, will replace them with another player. Can anybody re- go- send those five reasons back to me? Uh, they lined up offside. That's one. Um, one or both were not in the 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 spot. Yep. Or or with their sticks on the ground. Yep, that's three. Um, someone else got into the playoff spot. Yep. And uh, what was the last one? I'll I'll take eighty percent. Physical contact. You can't make physical, physical contact. contact with an opponent. So there you go. That. That is your list. So now, Ariane, you've got to go watch an NHL game. They're on ESPN+. Plus. Pretty much every NHL game is on ESPN+, Plus, so you don't have an excuse that you can't find one. Are the, are the Blues good this year? That's my team. The Blues are average-ish this year, I think. Okay. Let me double-check. That's fine. Currently, I'm- the Blues are, yeah, they're about four points out of a playoff spot right now. So they're slightly below average. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem terrible. So, yeah, they're on ESPN+, Plus, um, so there's no excuse there. Go watch one. Go watch if any centers get kicked out of the face-off circle, and now you'll know why. And you'll know that the NHL season is happening. Good. I know now. That is it for Mike's stupid rules. There you go. Um, and we'll move right along to our accountability session. Some of this is things that I either missed in last week's episode or we had to get more clarification on. Um, and a couple of these are new ones coming off the board. But um, Josh predicted, this is one that I missed, the Lions would finish second in the NFC North, which they did do with that win over the Packers. The Vikings won it, but the Lions finished second. So Josh gets a ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Kyle, you predicted like way back near the beginning of the year that the 49ers would make the NFC Championship game, which they have now done. I don't think you would have predicted this route to get there. No, but not did, at all. They did get there, so ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding-ding. That was a long shot prediction, I thought, at that point. It was, yes. Because they were, I think they were like two and four or something at that point they, that I predicted that. They did not that. start off well, that's for sure. Um... Yeah, you predicted this quite a while ago. Where is it? What did we give you for this? I was on your side for this one. I remember. I feel like it was you, and I agreed with you, and the other two were not as into it. We only gave you – you must have made it a little bit later. You only gave it – we only gave it a double, so you must have made it fairly later, fairly later than I thought in the year. 
Wow. Okay. Um, you also predicted, this is the one I asked for clarification on last week, that the Rams would only win six games. We went back and listened to the tape. You did say exactly six games. They only won five. So for that, you get a nah. 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 You also predicted the Cowboys would lose their first playoff game. They ended up losing their second playoff game, not their first. Um, so you get a nah. Nah. And then I predicted the Bucks would win their first playoff game. They lost it to the Cowboys. So for that, I get a nah. 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 That is it for our accountability session this week. Um, and I will start getting something back up on the board. I am going to say that the Cyclones will play their first round NCAA tournament game. So keep in mind that... Uh, that means they make the NCAA tournament, of course, and they will play it in Des Moines. Des Moines hosts first and second round games again this year. I'm predicting that the Cyclones will get placed in Des Moines. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember all of the placement rules, but that would require KU to not get prime placement, right? Not necessarily, because so if KU gets prime placement, presumably they would get first in the Midwest. Well, so, but not all of the Des Moines games will be in the Midwest. Okay. Right. Necessarily. Oh, uh, what, have they announced what seeds go where yet? No, like, that, that, that they can all be very uh, flexible on that. That's very hard. Um, God, yeah, I, mean, I don't know how to yeah, do but, that. Because don't they give the latest seed, bracketology. Don't so, they give seed advantage to, like, if you're the number one team, you get your closest preference. If you're the number five team, you get your closest preference. Like if you're yeah. the best so second they, seed, you get your preference, right? Well, then they try so, and split teams up by conference so they don't have to play conference people again, right? right? It does get complicated. It does get complicated. So the number one seeds, so the number one overall seed will get will go to its closest geographical region, right? But that's for the Sweet 16 Elite Eight games. And then they will also go to their closest first and second round site. Um, I, after is that, this a home run? Off. I will say right now, Bracketology does have us projected as a two seed in Des Moines. I don't anticipate us finishing the season as a two seed personally. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. Is uh, this a home run because of how many moving parts? Probably. I think so. If not, maybe a triple, but it, it's pretty tough. Pretty tough. How many games are played in Des Moines total? That's the question. I believe there will be um, eight games. Two, I think four, eight, six, I eight. Be, it's either four or eight games in Des Moines. Eight I think first it's, round games in Des Moines. Yeah. Yeah. Eight first round games because it's two out of each. Like, yeah, usually there's like an East and a Midwest region that play yeah, there, two. There are eight first round sites and there are 32 first round games. So, so you're looking at. Just super basic math. Eight out of twenty out, out of eight out of thirty-two is twenty-five percent. And then right. you add in seeding and all that nonsense and, and tiebreakers and switching people up. And and the still I be it small chance that this team doesn't make the tournament altogether. It's pretty much a hundred percent that we make the tournament at this point. So um yeah, I mean I'm fine. Home run run. Yeah, it's run, very run. complicated. <laughs> You could make an argument for triple, but I think it's reasonable for it to be a home run. Nah. Just, just go get the number one overall seed, and then you'll play in Des Moines in the Midwest Regional. I'd be we're, fine not better, we're not better than Purdue. 
We haven't played Purdue. Who knows? Purdue will okay. go to the That's East. Fair. Purdue will go to the East region now. East region True. in uh, yeah. We just East have to be better than KU. Probably be closer. No, sorry, they'll go to the South and Louisville for sure. South and Louisville. I mean, so yeah. Okay. Either way, home run. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He's still alive. He's still doing good, keeping track of Brock Purdy and the NFL playoffs. Um, he is going to predict that the Aaron Rodgers saga will finally come to a permanent end this offseason and he will retire before the start of next season, the 2023 season. Sure felt like it after his last game. He He did say on the Pat McAfee show that the only reason he... Like the reason to come back and play football is to win a Super Bowl, and if his heart isn't in it, then he's not playing. Don't it's know hard. what that means. I was gonna say it's hard to take Aaron. I Rogers. think it's a double. You know, you know, depending on what hallucinogenic drugs he takes in the off season, that depends on what he chooses. He did you know. say he was laying off the ayahuasca this season. That's uh, maybe a celebratory ayahuasca, depending on his decision. <laughs> I mean, you know. Maybe he gets immunized against the, the regular season next year. Who knows? I'm going to throw it at a double as well, just because I, I have yeah. no idea what to do with it. Yeah, I think double makes sense. If you had given me a chance to you know, do a little ayahuasca before the episode, I could have had a vision of what happens next season, and then I would have a good answer for you. But unfortunately, I don't have that. I personally, I personally like the storyline of, of Rodgers being Favre 2.0 and going to the Jets. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then I, think if, I, I think yeah. if Rogers, I think if Rogers quarterback in 2024 deal, I, I think if Rogers goes anywhere, he's going to the Titans, but no, write that down. Coward. I will stay on the gridiron. Uh, even though my pick was the 49ers chiefs uh, for the big game, my right. That prediction is going to be Bengals 49ers. Okay. Uh, the Ames so- bowl. The Ames Bowl. So according to 538, the Bengals have a 43% chance and the Niners have a 42% chance. So that's an 18% 18. chance of that specific Super Bowl matchup, according to 538. According to ESPN, are the percentages similar? Uh, ESPN gives both of those teams worse chances um, to make it so espn gives the bengals a 35 percent chance and the 49ers a 36 percent chance so, so that's, that's a 12 13 percent so this is probably triple double yeah, i hit, with, like I hit you with a triple what do you say mike i a triple? said double in the end i think it just feels like a double i i if you're leaving it to me i predicted both of these so this is a double so Cincinnati is currently favored on the betting markets, which means they must think Pat Mahomes is not going to play. At least not well. Double it is. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, So I had two, and then Ariane tempted me into a third because he, I I don't know, called me a coward, I think. So here we go. Cyclones will not lose two straight Big 12 conference games in a row in the regular season. So, like, that means they will have to beat K-State tomorrow tomorrow night, Tuesday night. 
the Missouri game doesn't count, and then anything between the Missouri game and the Big Twelve tournament, no, no postseason. They'll have that means they'll have to win two out of a three of a stretch of TCU at home at K State at Texas. Two. That's tough. That's tough. It's yeah. possible though. I, I mean, that, that, to me, tough but possible is a to triple. me. This seems like a triple. We're not, you know, not even overlooking the fact that they just have to win tomorrow for this to not just immediately be out of the yeah. running. Yeah. yeah. This says like I said, triple, triple works. I'm fine with that. Okay. Uh, KU loses to Baylor tonight. Third straight I, loss. Uh, Baylor's aside, currently up single. 11 yeah, to 7. Yeah, no, single. This is a vi- no. This is a violation of eighty three eleven cast rules. The game has started, and we Ooh, have not. I put it. I put it down before the game started. The, I put it down official, at the beginning of the episode. The official eighty three eleven cast write that down predictions rules say that. Um, where is it? I'm looking. For I'm it. also pulling up the rules. <laughs> Provided the prediction is scored prior to the event, according to yeah. rule one of the official write that down prediction rules. I would have given it to you, Kyle. That's stupid. Thanks, Ariane. You were in on the rules. You helped make the rules. I don't. I don't recall. I played the fifth. Oh, I had it written. I should have had you score it. Yeah, no, yeah. My, oh, that would have been fine. Minutes. All right. Rogers plays for the Titans next season. Oh, Are man. you the one that <laughs> took most of the time this episode? <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> this is a home run. Home run. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, what do you got, Ariane? Something that's scorable? Hopefully. Uh, I'm going to say LeBron James will break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record specifically against the New York Pelicans on February 4th. Violation? There are no New York Pelicans? Oh, Jesus. Did I say New York? (laughs) Uh, New New Orleans. The New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, uh, that, that seems unlikely to, to name a specific p- opponent for that to happen. What, what, what game does ESPN projected it now? ESPN projects it to be against, uh, shoot, hold, let me go back one. I had it up and I lost it. Come on now. Oh my God. How many tabs do I have open? ESPN projects it to be against the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe, two games later. Two games later? Two games later. Triple so then? For him to uh, do it on that date, he would have to average at least 32 points a game. What was the season seven average? Seven games. His season average, his career average is 27.2. His, career, his season average is 29.8. He's putting it on this season. Everybody's been scoring ridiculously. I'm feeling triple. Sure. Yeah, it's fine. Works for me. With two doubles, two triples, and two home runs, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 207. From now, right now, this point, until next week's episode, one week from now, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!